Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. Would you look at your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. The Word of the Lord says, Are you there? Say amen. Put it on the screen. If, yeah, there it is. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, meaning the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness when he was fasting and praying, the tempter, the devil said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he, Jesus, answered the devil and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That, that's distraction number one we just read about. Distraction number one. Temptation number one. Here comes distraction number two. Then the devil took him up, took Jesus up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written... Here, not, not the devil. He's quoting the Word of God. How many know the devil know the Bible? Yeah. The devil says, uh, If you throw yourself down, that he, meaning God, shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 7. That was the second distraction, temptation. Here's the third after Jesus rebukes the devil the second time. It is written again. It is written again, Jesus said. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. There comes a third distraction. Again the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. There's a third time Jesus rebukes the devil from this distraction. He says, away with you, Satan. For it is written. Everybody say, for it is written. And I'll read the rest. Jesus says, For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Point your hands this way. Say after me, Lord Jesus, anoint your servant, and anoint we the hearer, as it comes to the power of your word. We thank you for it. Amen. And you may be seated. Now, I... Uh, I want you to, to contemplate this scripture and I want to talk to you about weapons of mass distraction. Number two. Lesson two. And before I get through with this message, and it's not my intent just to keep you here, but before I get through with this message, somehow you're going to get distracted. Matter of fact, before I came up to the pulpit, I leaned over to my wife and I said, you need to pray for me because uh, I'm a little distracted because I've had to deal with an issue uh, this week, not in this church, not even in this country, uh, but uh, has me distracted because it has to do with a, a brother that I, uh, I love in the Lord. He's a fellow minister, and, uh, and he's going through some stuff that, uh, that needs to be processed. So we just had a quick prayer right there. Uh, you know, distraction, we, we want you to focus, so we ask you to silence your phones I'll put them on vibrate when you come in here, and, and we, we want you to be able to focus. So we offer a nursery for, for the babies and so that you can worship without distractions. Because distractions uh, uh, are such that they, they produce in us uh, the capacity to allow them to dictate our decisions and control our schedules. Uh, while we should be on the highway to heaven, 
Because the word of God is, is, is sometimes compared, the travel, the journey of the believer to heaven is sometimes compared to a, a highway to heaven, a road to heaven. Okay? And, and I know that because the Bible says, uh, uh, broad is the way that leadeth to death, but straight and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Okay? Uh, and on this highway to heaven, uh, the devil would have you on rabbit trails off the highway. Can I get a witness by faith? Chasing all kinds of distractions, getting your focus off of the reason why you are here and who you serve and what he has asked you to do. Uh, let me say it to you this way. Uh, the problem is that everything we do or get called to do, they all seem important or at least necessary. Our lives, your life and my life, our lives are filled with the urgent so therefore, we have no time for the eternal. And listen, the Bible says about the things of this world, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, meaning God's word, shall never pass away. This is the eternal. This is the GPS, the map, the map quest. <laughs> I'm preaching better than you responding, but I'll keep on. For you to get from here to glory. But we have an adversary that if he treated Jesus like he did, you are no exception. Because right before Jesus goes into the full-time ministry, he's now 30 years old. He's just been baptized in water by his cousin John the Baptist. And the Spirit of God, according to the text, leads him out to the wilderness to spend time with his father before he goes out to minister for three and a half years, after which they will kill him. But he won't be dead because, as Brother Sammy said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I've always wanted to be tall and dark and handsome like Sammy. I got the handsome part now, and he's got the other two. Uh, so, it's, so it's all right. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. I know, we left, I got distracted. Um, if you ever intend to get closer to God, if you ever intend to read your Bible more and pray more and tithe and give and shake off the world of flesh and the devil and get your act together, you can expect that the devil is going to go in the wilderness out there with you. You ever tend to exclude yourself from family and friends and whatever and fast and pray and say, God, I got too many distractions. You can, you can be assured the devil not going to sit around with his hand in his pocket and let you get closer to God. Because then you become a weapon of his destruction. So on three separate occasions, Satan shows up while Jesus is fasting and praying for 40 days. And most scholars believe that he didn't even drink any water. Nobody that I know of can live without water for 40 days. But he being the son of God and, and, and also being humanity had the capacity and, and the, the self-restraint. And on three different occasions, with three different kinds of temptations, distractions, the devil shows up. Let me, let me show you what the word distraction means. And, I'll, uh, and this, this, of course, is from what I used yesterday. Uh, distraction is something that makes it difficult to think or pay attention you know, why is it, you know, before we had cell phones, we, uh, we were, you know, cell phone has its plus and its minus, doesn't it? Huh? Uh, now we, 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 we got these cell phones and every time we go, bing, or tweet or whatever, we think, oh my goodness, oh, oh, I just heard the bing or the tweet. It must be the President of the United States. I better go find out what it is. 
I, I asked Valerie to ask Siri. Y'all know Siri? Yeah, y'all know Siri? iPhone? I asked Valerie to ask Siri what the word distraction means. And Siri says, mental turmoil. Good for you, Siri. Uh, here's, here's another definition of distraction. A state in which you are very annoyed or upset. Like the fans for Texas A&M was yesterday when Alabama, which is not my favorite team. Uh, I got Georgia on my mind, but it's okay if Alabama wins. As long as we're going to be playing Georgia. Anyhow, that's again distracted. Uh, Alabama whooped the daylights out of Texas A&M, beat them 59 to 0. I'm, I kid you not. Are you a Texas A&M fan? God bless you. You were, you were just fixing to be my former friend. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like slaying a giant and taking your foot and putting it on the head and rubbing it in. If I was a and I'd have prayed for somebody to turn on the sprinkler system about half time and mess up the whole field and just let's go home. Now, now some of you are going to feel this, the second definition before you leave today. You will feel it. I'm just giving you a little, you know, the pilot in the front of the plane says, buckle up, there's going to be a little turbulence. Before you, and you're going to feel it against me, but I'm, I'm just a mailman. You're going to feel a state of being very annoyed, upset, because God has given me a word, and it begins in my life. He started with me. Okay? So, so, so let, 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 it's not my intent to make you annoyed or upset, but it, I, I'd rather make you a little annoyed or upset temporarily and get you to glory than have you just sit back and just soothe you and stroke you and you don't make it to heaven. Did I hear somebody say amen? Now, here are some of the distractions that we're going to talk about. And number one is self-distractions. I talked about it last week, but I'm not going to stay here too long except for a few thoughts I didn't include last week. Do you know you can be your own worst enemy? Can I get an amen here? You can be your own worst enemy by the things you do, the things you say, the things you look at, the people you hang with. By the decisions you make. Somebody say amen or me. Okay? You know, this thing about texting while you're driving is terribly dangerous. It's a distraction. Do you know that some of the distractions are deadly? Some of the distractions people face are deadly? And, and, and the fact of the matter is that somebody who's drinking alcohol and driving and inebriated has caused the death of many, many innocent people because they consumed substance and they were distracted and somebody died. And, and, and I'm saying to you that, that there are distractions that come to us, uh, like I mentioned last week, and, and if it's up there, that's fine. I told you about Samson and Delilah, and I told you how Samson should have been fighting the enemies of God, the Philistines, of whom Delilah was one of them, and he was flirting with Delilah instead of fighting the enemy, and it cost him his life at an early age because some distractions are deadly. I told you about David and Bathsheba. He had wives, plural. He had a harem and concubines, but he went on the rooftop, saw another man's wife, committed adultery with her, and they conceived and had a child, had, his, had this man's wife, whose name was Uriah, murdered, and his distraction was deadly. He suffered the consequence, though forgiven, throughout his life. I told you last week, Ananias and Sapphira, they stole from God. They came bringing their offerings to God, acting as if it was all the money that they got for the sale of the land that they sold. Barnabas, a, a congregation, member of the congregation where Ananias and Sapphira worshipped, sold land, gave all the money to the church. He didn't have to, but he did. The church applauded him, and he wasn't looking for that kind of applause. But when Ananias and Sapphira saw he got applause, they sold their land, but brought some of the money, making it look like all the money, and God killed them. Aren't you guys, there's more grace today? 
Some, some distractions are deadly. Now, let, let me move on to say this to you. Number two, there, there are people distractions. And I didn't say this to you last week in this context, but I want you to see the scripture, if you will. People distractions. Here's what the Word of God says about people distractions. Bad company corrupts good character. Now look at that and remember it, okay? It does matter who you hang with and who you text and who you email and who you go out to eat with because bad company corrupts Good character. I, I'm saying that, that sometimes people are a distraction because the choice between the right people and the wrong people can affect your walk with God and distract you from what God has in mind for your life. That's why your mom and dad said to you while you were growing up and now that you are mom and dad, you say to your kids, I don't want you to hang with this person or that person because they ain't right. Give, give me a little light here, if you will, please. Uh, uh, you tell your teenagers and you tell your, your junior highs and your others, do not go there, do not stay with them, you're not spending the night over there because they are trouble. Okay? Well, that doesn't change because you come on an adult. Okay? When you come an adult, you need to be careful. Either the person you're hanging with are adding to you and making you a better person, or they're dragging you down to their sorry level and making you a poor example. Can, can I get an Amen. Just because you uh, want to be liked and you want to have some friends does not mean you have to cross the line of biblical morality and cross the line of truth so you can have a few friends. You'd rather have be the friend of God than have the friendship of the world that will lead you away from God. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. So in a moment, we're going to bow our heads and pray. And you move from where you see them and go find somebody else better. Uh, just, just, just kidding. Let me give you another thought. Here's a distraction. Distractions from the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are three, and I put them all three one because, because the world has a system that is contrary to the system of God. The flesh is you and I, what we want, what I got to have. I deserve, I desire, somebody done me wrong. So I now, the flesh, and then, then the devil is, is the one who motivates all the distractions. Where are you getting that, Pastor? Glad you asked. 2 John, chapter number 2, verse number 15. It says here, do not love the world. Actually, it's 1 John, chapter number 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, capital F, Father, meaning God, is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's one distraction. The lust of the eyes, that's a second distraction. And the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And look at verse 17. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides how long? Jesus Christ was tempted and distracted by the devil on all three counts. While he was fasting and praying and seeking God in the desert. At night the desert would be cold. In the daytime it would be hot. And for 40 days, he's already God, and he's going on a 40-day fast, getting ready to do ministry. 
tells me of my need to examine myself. That's why I'm bringing you this sermon this morning, because God has rattled my cage, and if I don't pay attention to him, I'm the loser. And, and, and so, the devil says, you see this, these little stones, these little uh, size of a, maybe of a, a nice yeast roll at O'Charlie's. I got your attention now. You take the rocks and make them nice rolls and eat them. And Jesus wasn't finished with his fast. He hadn't got his breakthrough yet. When you fast and pray or you come to the altar and pray, you know when you got your breakthrough and you know when you're leaving too soon. Did that, and anybody know what I'm talking about? You know when you've done it. Okay? He hadn't got his, and, and Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil was attacking his flesh. Then you remember the second temptation? Where he takes him up into a, a very high place in the temple, a high pinnacle, and he says, now he's appealing to his pride. And, and, and he's saying, uh, you're the son of God, and it is written, the devil said it is written. The devil knows more of the word of God than some Christians do. That's just a thought. And you know what some Christians do? They take that same word, it is written, and try to use it. To live a lifestyle where it is written that God doesn't want you to live that lifestyle. Well, I, 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 hold that thought. I'm coming back. Uh, the devil says, if you throw yourself down, it is written that God, your father, will give, send angels down and pick you back up. And what the devil was trying to do, he didn't succeed when Jesus was born by causing the wise men who saw Jesus to go back to Herod and tell him where Jesus was. Herod told the wise men looking for Jesus when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, when you find Jesus, come and tell me, because Herod wanted to kill him. And the wise men didn't come back, and you know, Herod didn't get to kill Jesus, because that was the devil's plan to abort Jesus' mission. Now his plan is to get Jesus to jump off a high place in the temple, because he's Jesus, and his intent was to kill him, and he not go to the cross, and therefore you and I would still be on our way to hell. That was appealing. Then, then he appealed to Jesus in the third level of temptation, which is the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is now the lust of the eyes. He took him into a high mountain and he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. All the, all, he just, they may have gone so high where they could see nearby villages and nearby towns and beautiful mountains and animals. And he said, the devil said, I'll give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. How can you give something that ain't yours? Did the Bible ever say in the beginning, God, the devil, and Jesus created the heaven and the earth? Now, the devil has temporary dominion because of sin. I acknowledge that. But he, he can't give nothing except death, hell, and destruction. Because John 10 and 10 says, The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that you, you might have life and have... I don't want just life. I want it more abundantly. And, and I'm saying to you that if, if this business of Jesus being tempted by the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life was going to happen to Jesus, then you and I are no exceptions, and therefore we need to understand that we're going to get, we're going to get uh, distracted too. Can, can I get a witness for somebody? Uh, let, let me, I'm going to be very candid with you. While in Virginia two weeks ago, I was there for two weeks, and 
it was part of the requirement of a course that I'm taking for my doctor of ministry at Regent University entitled Leadership Lifestyles and Values, or Lifestyle and Values. And the implication of the course is if you're going to be a spiritual leader or any kind of leader, you have to have a certain lifestyle and values founded in truth. We did a case study in this class of 20 of us. And on the occasion, the professor of our class brought in a pastor and his wife. And they told their story for about an hour. How the pastor and his wife started out helping another couple who came to the church. And they needed help because evidently this, the wife of the couple had some issues emotionally and in the past because she might have been, uh, uh, I don't think sexually abused, but mentally and emotionally abused. And the pastor and his wife discerned that there was some demonic powers behind it. And they were trying to minister to this couple and did. And in the course of ministering to the couple, the pastor confessed to having developed an emotional affair with the woman. Uh, There was no physical intimacy. But... He was warned by his wife that now he probably should turn her care over to somebody else because he was too much involved. He was warned by one or two elders and even his bishop. But he concluded that he knew enough about her situation that, and he knew his boundaries and therefore he was safe. And he and his wife went into counseling, they struggled for quite some time until he actually admitted it was indeed an emotional affair. He was distracted from almost a year of ministering to the whole body because he could spiritualize under ministry. Emotional affairs eventually lead to sexual affairs. So I, uh, yesterday morning, I re- the Holy Spirit brought that to my mind, and, and they, they spoke to us about their story, and they told their story about an hour. And uh, so I Googled. I, I asked Google the question, whoever he is. What is an emotional affair? I, I think I knew what it was. but So this, this popped up. Ten signs you are having an emotional affair. It was written by Jenny Erickson, E-R-I-K-S-O-N, and I found it on, uh, out of, if you're looking for it, Psych Center, P-S-Y-C-H Center.com. And I'm sharing this with you because one of the greatest struggles that the church faces, not just this church, every church in Christianity, is that marriages are being shipwrecked at about the same level as it is in the world. And God's plan was never for marriages to be abandoned, abused, or be found in unfaithfulness and infidelity. So, so here, here are the ten signs. This is not even, as far as I know, there's nothing Christian about this article. But when I read the content, there's a lot Christian about this article. 
Here's how it goes, okay? The author, Jenny Erickson, says, you're just friends. You love your husband or your wife. It's not like there's anything going on. It's not physical. You just get, quote, unquote, you just get each other. In fact, you help each other understand your own spouses better. Please look at this preacher one moment. You see on that bald spot? There is not a sign that says, he is stupid. I just want you to know. Oh, keep the article Evan. Uh, here it goes. If you found yourself saying any of these things to yourself or anybody else, especially if they're frequently repeated, you may be smack dab in the middle of an emotional affair. Maybe you're not fully into it. Maybe there's not been infidelity yet. But if you don't put a kibosh, K-I-B-O-S-H, on it, a stop to it, that's exactly where you're headed. And listen to this. Then again, there are plenty healthy relationships between members of the opposite sex. So how do you know when you've crossed the line from friendship into an emotional affair? And here the author gives ten signs your friendship is about to become an emotional affair. Number one, if he or she is the first thing you think about when you wake up, you're headed there. If he or she is the last thing you think about before you fall asleep, you're headed there. And pretty much, if it's everything you think about all during the day, and if it's dominating your thoughts, you're crushing You're being crushed and getting ready to be distracted from your marriage in a deathly way. Number two, here's a second sign of the ten signs you're having an emotional affair. He's the first one or she's the first one you want to share good news with. That means that if you just got a promotion or your kid got an awesome award or you found $20 in a a coat jacket that you didn't wear in a while, the first thing you want to do is to find that person and share it with him or her. You're thinking about them all the time. Here's number three of, of, of the sign of an emotional affair. You text him or her a lot. Text. Phone, text, text. Yeah. I, I, some of you, <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, there's a reason why this pulpit is round and have these pillars. Then some of these preachers that have this skinny little pole, little pulpit. Their pulpit is not bulletproof. <laughs> I, this pulpit is bulletproof. So, as I was saying, there is a, <laughs> some of you can use, I, I see you, I mean, this is not against you, okay, this is not against you, but you text with thumbs and fingers and toes, and, and by the time I get, I would like for you, you already wrote the epistle. <laughs> but while that may be a little humorous, if there's more text to your friend, than to your spouse, there's a problem. Here's here's, here's a fourth thought. You blow off others for him or her. It's a 21st century kind of vernacular. When it says mean blow off, you shun other people and you think they got a problem and you don't. So you kind of blow off your spouse and and other important people in your life who are saying, be careful. And you're canceling all their warnings so you could hang out with your flesh. Here's sign number five of an emotional affair. You start wishing your partner were more like him or her. Sure, your husband or your wife's got a lot of great qualities, but, but wouldn't it be nice, great, if, if your husband or wife were more punctual like your friend? 
uh, a better dresser or, or like the same movies like you did, whatever. Comparing your husband to someone else or your wife to someone else's spouse is, is never good. Look at me and listen to me now. You see that girl right there? I've been married to 36 years. I have in the, in the DVD right now, part two of Iron Man movie. She went to a preacher's wife retreat Friday night. Preacher's wives only. That's where you go and talk about your husband the whole weekend. Anyhow, uh, I like Iron Man. I like Superman. I, I, like, uh, uh, I, I like Batman. I, I like all those heroes. Uh, I like all of that. She could care less. That's all right. She likes to read, though. I like football. I said to her the other day, what's your favorite sport? She said, reading. I said, that means no sport. Uh, I meant hobby. And, and, and I'm telling you all this in a way for you to understand that when you start comparing your spouse to somebody else, you think it's okay. And you're watching all this soap opera trash. And you start getting things. I'm trying to warn you here. You're headed down the wrong road. Here's number six. You plan what you're going to wear or say or do around that person that you're thinking about. You want to impress her or him with your wit, your style, your intellect, and your charm. Here's, here's sign number seven that you're headed into emotional affair. He just gets you. He just understands you. She just understands you. We just have a lot in common. And, and, and we find ourselves in similar positions of life, struggling with some of the same issues. Here's number eight, the sign of an emotional affair. You share secrets you haven't even shared with your spouse. Folks, that's a red light. That's a bell. That's a whistle. That's something you don't need. You don't even share stuff with your own mother or your father before you share it with your spouse. I'm telling you. We are adults here. And we, 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 we know the culture in America. Quit trying to fool yourself. You know what's going on. And you think you're an exception to the rule. But you're not. Here's number nine. You share secrets about your spouse. You start telling your friend here by text, by email, by secret rendezvous, secrets about your spouse. You know what you need? You need to get your therapist. I'm not mad. I'm just anointed. Because I get your junk. And I'm here to rattle your cage. I can't account for First Baptist and I can't account for Trinity. I can count for this house. And this house needs to tighten up. Y'all didn't hear me. This house needs a revival. And I don't mean you've got to have ten, ten services consecutively, but I'm talking to some people who've got comfortable and you're distracted and you think you're doing God a favor by showing up. And some of you, and, and I don't, I'm not mad at anybody, every chair ought to be filled in this house every Sunday. We got Ebola attacking us. Ebola, I should say. We got ISIS on the verge of, 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 of terrorizing America. We got tornadoes and storms, and these are the last days. And there are some folks today who could very well be here because God blessed them, but they're at the lake, or they're on the golf course, or they're the movie in some place, and they hadn't darkened the house of God until the last time somebody in their family died. Don't you bring your excuses to me. You don't have to give an account to me. You'll have to give an account to God and this house, and I'm responsible for is not going to hell in a handbasket as long as I have watch over it. We have to get our act together and it starts with me. 
Salvation begins at the house of God. And here's number 10. You fantasize about him or her. This is reason number 10 or sign number 10. You, have a, you, have, you fantasize. I wonder what kind of kisser he or she is. How much fun it would be to be on vacation with them. And you might be laughing a little bit. And it's maybe because of the way I'm delivering this. But it ain't no laughing matter. You hypothetically wonder what it's going to be like to have a baby. And all the time, you're being lured like Adam and Eve and like Eve was with a fruit that the devil said is good to your taste. And you'll be like God if you eat it. So God, so he's appealing to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And because Adam and Eve consume of the forbidden fruit, all of us were bound for hell until Jesus came. I wish somebody say amen to Jesus. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me just tell you this, okay? I, I'm not mad. I, I, just, I just, you've been given up a wake-up call by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost told me to tell South Metro Ministry, everybody else looking, that they're distracting signs of danger even in the church house. Even some, some of the most distractions you'll find is right here in the church house. Because we Americans have gotten so customized to church like we want it. Uh, let me spell out the word danger for you. I'm going to use the acronym danger and give you, and give you what, what I see in the church in America and South Metro Ministries. First, there's the danger of a do not risk disease. Okay? Put, put it on the screen for me. Do not risk disease by people saying, but we have never done it that way. When I went to build the first building, I got people mad because we ain't never done it that way. Every building project I've done, somebody got mad because we ain't done it that way. And the larger the church grew, and the more I had to pastor more people and couldn't be somebody's best friend, the madder they got and they left. You, you, you see what I'm saying here? I, I'm not looking for a best friend among my congregants. I love you all, okay? I'm not looking for a best friend anywhere. I'm not looking for you to much up to me or kiss up to me. I'm not your Lord. But the larger, because I didn't make a phone call or come for surgery or was there when they did so-and-so, the church is getting bigger. There's only one Allen. There's a lot of other people I can equip. I love you and I'm praying for you, but they, 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 they get that possessing spirit. The church is all about me, myself, and I. And let, let me show you another. This is, that's the D. This is the A from the word. That, accept us, world ailment. We, 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 uh, let, let me clarify. Uh, the church is being influenced by the world, and the world is saying to us, accept us, church, because we're coming. We're here already. Desire to be seen as in step with worldly wisdom. I'm referring here to what happens to churches and denominations when they decide that the Bible and its teachings aren't as important to them as society's approval. Did, did you all hear what I said? Now, now this, is going to make, this is going to distract you, but I'm not here about you. Okay, I, I, I respect the office, but, but we got the Houston, the mayor of Houston, subpoenaing the sermons of pastors who dare to speak against homosexuality or lesbianism because she is openly gay. Okay, and so she wants to subpoena us. We got the president of the United States who says same-sex marriage is okay, and he even used Jesus in it. And I know he's Obama and he's black, and if you've got an issue, that's your problem. I don't have an issue. The only issue I have is the Word of God. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're brown, you're Republican, independent, or Tea Party. 
I'm not living for Obama and I'm not living for the Republicans or the Democrats. I'm living for Jesus Christ. Okay? I'm living for Jesus Christ. But Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton gave us a sorry bag of goods when he had that affair with that young lady and made, made a certain form of sexual behavior as, as acceptable. And then here comes Mr. Clinton and, and then comes Mr. Obama and now we have 30 states in America who have same-sex marriage and they're going to try to force... You will, you will have to pull me out of the grave if you get me to perform a same-sex marriage or attend one. You understand? Okay, I love homosexuals like Jesus loved them. I also love adulterers and fornicators and liars and thieves. And you have to pull me out of the grave to get me to condone your sin. If, if the Bible says it's sin, I will define it. And listen to me, the mayor, the mayor of Houston, Dr. Gall, the subpoena. Thank God for the state attorney general who says you are stepping across the line because in this country we have separation of church and state and freedom of speech. Okay? And I would like to say to the mayor of Houston, if you'd like my sermons, get online and watch it live. Or ask me for a CD or a tape. I'll give it to you free, gal. But you need to go somewhere and get yourself saved. And unless you're saved, I don't care if you're mayor of Houston or where you are, you will answer to God. You can take this whole world and give me Jesus. Buddha didn't die for me. The mayor didn't die for me. The Pope didn't die for me. The Queen didn't die for me. My own mama didn't die for me. But Jesus died in my place. Next, 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 next thought. Here's what we're into. Nice, comfortable, or apathetic. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. We're getting used to it. Not in any room for God to work. We get comfortable in the church. So much time-worn methods. Our, 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 Christian, our Christian experience for many of us is like a nice, comfortable sweater in the fall. It warms us and comforts us and snugly. We feel so secure in it. We're not going to dare be a radical for Jesus. We're going to hug trees and save the spotted owls. <laughs> Don't tell me I got no, wear no wristband that says pray for Coweta. Some of you, oh God help me, are wonderful. You could work for the, for the secret service. Well, probably not because their stuff's been found out. <laughs> Can't even protect the president. Some of you are undercover Christians. And you're going to have to own him one day. And if you don't own him in this world, don't expect for him to own you in the next. Okay? If you're looking for a place where the man makes three points and gives you a poem and tells jokes about his grandkids, now I'll throw in a few humor here and there. And honestly, it's not even in my notes. Okay? But I heard where a, a, a woman of wisdom said, just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go. So that's why I make you laugh every once in a while. But there ain't no laughing matter. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not here to soothe you and stroke you. Go to Joel Osteen's church if you want that. I just thought you might want to know. Just thought you might want to know. Is he going to heaven? I don't doubt it. Is he a great communicator? I, I got some of his books. 
But whenever he's confronted with issues of sin or no sin, he always skirts the answer. So, Joel, whose side are you on, sir? I love you and respect you, and I know you're probably thinking out there in, 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 in live streaming land, well, you just got this little old church, and you're talking like you're just jealous of it. Let me tell you, I don't want no mega church, because I have mega headaches. I'm just trying to get all of us to glory. It'd be enough if I could get just my clan, but I'm telling you, I, I didn't call Joel a sinner, and I didn't call him a backslide. I'm just telling you that there's some preachers who do not confront the truth. We need some men of God who's got a saw log for a backbone. All this political nonsense. Put, put the next one up there. We've got to keep the doors open. When we, when we first came, uh, uh, 30-something years ago, I think we owed about uh, a, a small payment, over $70,000 for the church. And, and that's because Brother Roger over here, where'd he go? He stepped down. Yeah, he left me with a debt of $70,000, and uh, that's why he left, you know. Well, he didn't know I was coming, but if he knew I was coming, he'd be 700000 But then we got a debt of 90000 Then we wanted to buy some land and got 97000 uh involved, or somewhere in that way. And then we built our first building, and uh, it, it was a $1.1 million. I'm thinking, God, how are we going to pay? We're so small. Got to keep the doors open. Then we got into a debt of $3.3 million. And I said, that's it. We ain't building nothing else. We're just going. Yeah. And then, Lord, pushed me for four or five years. You got to go to the next level, next level. So $8.1 million is what you're sitting in and all around. And we owe $5.1 million. Boy, I wrestled with it last year. And I got sick. I was out of pulpit for seven weeks. Because the devil said, look what you done went and built. You can't pay for it. I guess you're going to have to change your preaching and change your style to keep the chairs full and the money coming to play. I tell you what, devil, you may, you, you, should, like T.D. Jake said, you should have killed me where you had a chance. Because I come back now meaner and madder, and I have the devil now in the phone booth dialing 911. I'm sick and tired of the devil chasing me. I am not going to let the devil chase me when I got a God that says, If God be for us, who can be against us? My God says He'll supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. So I want you to tithe and I want you to give, but you're not paying me to shut up. Give me, that's D-A-N-G. Give me the E. E. Everybody else is doing it. Well, the Baptist doing it. And the Presbyterians doing it. And the Methodists are allowing gays and lesbians to preach in their pulpit. And uh, so-and-so is, is doing it. And, uh, and again, you, th- you may think that I have homophobia. No, that is the prime news issue of the day. So I'm dealing with the news issue of the day. Okay? Uh, uh, and so, so-and-so, they bring in singers who suck cigarettes before they come in the platform. And, and sing in your church and drink beer before they come and, and go and have a party. I've been told, even as, as recent as Friday, that the one guy was singing with a group until he found out that two of them were committing adultery and living in adultery. And he left the group. Christian music. Christian music. Let me tell you something. God, help me not to be arrogant. There's a difference from a hireling and a shepherd. And I've been around this business all my life, and I've been at this church next year, it'll be 30 years. I know what a hireling is, and I know what a shepherd is. 
A hireling, when he sees the wolf coming, runs for his skin. He runs and hides. The shepherd stays there and scares away or whatever he needs to do. And I'm here to tell you that if you're in here and you've got another agenda other than the Holy Ghost, if you've got the spirit of Jezebel or the spirit of whatever else you got and you're looking over to target this preacher or this church because some witch sent you over here, you're tackling with the wrong church. Okay? Because I got a God. I got a God that says, if you'll do my word, I'll take care of the church. I don't care if the Presbyterian is doing it and the Catholics doing it and the Assembly of God doing it and the Baptists doing it. If it doesn't mesh with the Word of God, we ain't going to be doing it. Give me the next one, please. Relevance at all costs. That means fudging on the truth to try to appear trendy. This political correctness. So we got Christians and people endorsing things and parties. And I'm talking about political parties. Relevance at all costs. The world is changing. We got to keep up. No. The world is changing. But we are called to be salt and light. And here's the final of the word danger. The acronym Satisfy Me Syndrome. Keep every Body happy. Because you don't want to lose anybody. Satisfy everybody. Go around putting salve on every boo-boo they got. Walk on eggshells. Be afraid that somebody's going to be offended. Yeah, I'm going to come. Come in, sister. Some of you have been Christian for a long time. And you know what? I've had folks leave me who I offended and I regret it. But I've had people leave because they were offended by the word. Because I didn't come and burp them while they were still on that baby bottle and they've been a Christian for umpteen years. Anybody hear me? I respect you enough to know that you have a, just like a little child who will sit down and then they'll crawl on their hands and knees. After a while they start pooping up. Next thing you know, they're walking, they're off the bottle, and they're eating that food that comes in the jar, that just the name of it makes me want to gag, but they don't know the difference, okay? And then pretty much, they start wanting your food. Can I get a witness? And then you realize that this, this, there's a reason why there's two little teeth sticking out of their gum, because they want to bite something, okay? And so they want some meat. And I'm making you an analogy to tell you, that a lot of people leave say, we ain't getting fed over there at South Metro. No, what you're getting is convicted. And it's easier for you to run to another church where they just soothe you and stroke you. You know? It's called conviction because we're not going to patronize you in your fornication and your adultery and your lying and your cheating and your politics. We, we, we're not, this is not my house. This is his house. And all of us are dispensable. Okay, so I'm here to, if you feel like your cage is being rattled and your bell is being rung and your wood is wet but now on fire, it's because the Holy Ghost sent you on October 19, 2014 to tell you, wake up, you got some distractions, you need to get your act together because Jesus is coming very soon. Uh-huh. All right, all right, l- 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 let me give you something real quick here. Now I'm a- 
I'm going to close. I'm Pentecostal. We close five times. Here's how you deal. Here's how you deal with the weapons of mass destruction. Deal with the weapons of mass distraction. Distraction. Watch with your eyes and work with your hands and your heart. Can I get an amen? Uh, you, you remember last week I, sp- I preached on Nehemiah and how the enemies came against him when he returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and rehang the gate so they could build the city of Jerusalem? Can you put that text on the screen for me? The enemies came against him, so Nehemiah says, from that time on, that half of my servants worked at the construction while the other half held the spears, the shield, and the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Look, look at this. Those who built on the wall and those who carried the burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and the other hand they held a weapon. At one hand, I'm going to work on my prayer life. I'm going to work on my forgiveness. I'm going to work on not gossiping and I'm going to work on not judging only according to the Bible. And the other hand, I'm going to carry the sword. This is my weapon. Anybody got one? Hold it up. You got a weapon? Hold, hold up your weapon. You got, you bring it to you every time you come to church if you can, okay? Hold it up and say, thank you, Jesus, for your word. It is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my part, path. I will hide your word in my heart that I will not sin against God. That's it. That's it. Put it down. I, I, I'm telling you, you watch over your marriage. And you work on your marriage. You watch over your kids that are hanging with the wrong crowd and doing dope and doing all that kind of... They're not dope now. They, they, they call them more distinguished name. Give me, give me the next slide. Oh, help me, Jesus. Come to the music, if you will. Use the power of the Word of God. How do you defeat distractions? I just told you. Use the power of the Word of God. But here's the problem. We know... The top 10 football teams more than we know Psalm 23. You'd be be amazed how ignorant Americans are about anything. They were asking a survey the other day of people on the street, when did Columbus discover America? And the gal said, 1941. 1941. And some of you are sitting there, when did he discover America? I think it was 1492, am I right? You, this, this, this word, when they take it from us, and they will, but us ain't going to be here. I'm going to be up in glory. But if I got it up here, I don't have to have all of it. But if I got some of it up here, <laughs> the Holy Ghost will bring it right back. Give, give, give me the next point. Give me the next point. Be accountable. If you're going to resist mass distraction, have your wife or a husband who you're willing to subject yourself to, or a best friend if you're not married, or a a sister in the faith, or a brother in the faith. If you're a lady, get with a lady. If you're a man, get with a man. And let them ask you the tough questions. Are you still on that website looking at pornography? Anybody hearing me? Are you still going to that bar or that joint where you hang out with the wrong crowd, wrong people? Anybody hearing this preacher? Let me tell you something about wives. God gives them a sixth sense, sixth sense, to look out for idiot husbands. I'm not calling myself an idiot, but you already know that. Okay. My mother, my, I used to think women, let me tell you women, not just wives, women have a sixth sense. 
I used to think I had stuff, Pastor Jeff, hidden from my mother as a teenager. And the next thing I know, she's in the bedroom praying out loud all the junk I'm doing to God. I'd go turn the TV up louder so my, drown my mother's prayer out and she'd get louder in the TV. I hope to God one day I'll show up on every channel of your TV. If you try... <laughs> oh. Do you know isolation can be lethal? I got this. I got this. No, you don't got this. That's why you're in the mess you're in. That's why you're still going back to that drug. You're still going back to that pornography. You still go back to that lying, that cheating, that, that stealing, that, that gossiping, that, that all, all the other. You don't got this. And you're, the devil's been around a whole lot longer than you've ever been around. He's an experienced devil, but you can get more than this if you let God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost come into your life. I know I'm preaching a little bit longer, but this is overtime to try to protect you. Here's the last thought. The last thought. Resist the devil. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Bring your praise team, if you will. Look, look, look at this. Put it up on the screen. Here's a def- several definitions of the word resist. To fight against something, to try to stop or prevent something. Resist it. Here's number two. To remain strong against the force or the effect of something. To be affected or harmed by something. To, to fight against it. To prevent yourself from doing something that you want to do. Not everything you and I want to do is good for us. Can I hear an amen? Next, next screen. Next screen, please. So, what is the bottom line for us, Pastor? Is that we resist the devil because here's what the Word of God says. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 12. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Did you hear what I said? Each of us. That means when you make it to heaven, God's not going to judge you and send you out of heaven. If you make it to heaven, you're in, but you will give an account. That's how you get your rewards. What did you do with your time, your talent, and your treasures after you got saved? And then if you're not saved, you will give an account. I don't care if your name is Buddha, Muhammad, Hare Krishna, Sun Young Moon, President, Pope, Prince, Queen, everybody. We'll give an account. Oh, please, bow your heads. Shokuraba satata raba shototo satata. Moraba shikete lebaya. Every head by every eye closed. You will never have a more serious moment, and solemn moment this day than this moment right now. And the Holy Ghost speaking through tongues. And here's the interpretation. You are in danger of becoming a church that I refer to, says the Spirit, in the book of Revelations. The Laodicean church. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And if you continue this path individually and as a group, I will spew you out of my mouth. But if you'll repent and turn back, I'll restore you individually and collectively. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And I know I'm the pastor of this church. And he just spoke in my face and told me that. So I got some work to do. But I don't believe I'm the only one here that's got some work to do. There's some of you here that are playing church. I know it. You know it. And God knows it. And it's time for you to get your act together. Because you're going to wake up one day and the rest of us are going to be gone. And you'll still be here. 
You'll be riding in the car one day and the rest will be gone. You'll still be here. And you don't want to do that. But in case that don't happen, you could go before the rest of us. And I'm not trying to exploit you. I'm just telling you the truth. And if you never see me again, you wouldn't have missed a thing. But if you never make heaven, you won't have another chance after, after your soul and your body's been buried without Christ. I don't want it to happen to you. So with your head bows and your eyes closed, you say, Pastor, I don't need another sermon. I got to get my act together. I am distracted. And if I died today or Jesus came today, I will not make it. If that's you and you want to make it right, make sure it's right, lift up your hands. I'm not going to do anything but ask you to lift up your hands. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Thank you for being transparent. Put it down. Head bows and eyes closed. Head bows and eyes closed. Pastor, I'm saved, but I've been distracted. And I started not to come today. And God brought me here. And I got to get my act together because I don't want to be lukewarm. Raise your hands. You're not raising it to me. You're raising it to God. He already knows your stuff. So, you, you know, I'm just asking you to acknowledge. Put it down. Thank you. Put it down. Get your head bowed and your eyes closed. Everybody repeat this prayer after me on the count of three. Everybody. So I want you to sit up in your chair, everybody. Sit up like you're talking to Jesus. Sit up very straight, very firm. Put everything aside that will distract you from this prayer. This is an eternity moment right here. This ain't going to be a casual. Repeat on the count of three. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, you already know my distractions. You know the sins I have covered and cuddled. And I repent of them today. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of everything and everyone that I've put ahead of you. I confess that I am a sinner. And I confess that I cannot save myself. But today, I invite you to be my Savior. Wash away all of my sins and make me clean. Make me a new creation. And Lord Jesus, there are those of us who are already saved, but we've been slack. We know better, but we haven't done better. We ask you to forgive us so that we are not lukewarm. But help us to be salt and light in a world that needs both. Today, Lord, I forget those things that are behind. And I reach forward for the prize and the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. I give him praise. And then stand as you do. Come on, come on, stand as you do it. Do it for everybody, everybody. I, I know it's one o'clock. Come on, come on. Let, let, if you've forgiven, if you meant what you prayed, thank you, Lord. Sean, go ahead and sing for me, brother. Lift your hands. Lift your hands all over the church. I want you to sing this. 
to the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.